You are listening to Church Talk with Isaac. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Church Talk with Isaac. As you all know, I am your host, Isaac Watson, and I want to begin today's episode by reading one of our reviews, and this one is from Marcus. He says, at this point, I have enjoyed many of the topics covered on this podcast, many of which has debunked myths and errant teachings I've heard in my youth. Isaac Watson is a sound and sobering voice of correction, clarity, knowledge, and wisdom for the body of Christ abroad. With taking on this burden to teach, we the listeners become all the better for it. Thank you for your ministry. Uh, Marcus, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate uh, your encouragement. I appreciate your thoughts and your words, man. This is the reason why I do this. I want to be able to help. I want to be able to give uh, new perspectives and ultimately um, create uh, something where we can all grow and become uh, more Christ-like in thought, in lifestyle, um, so forth and so on. So again, thank you so much, Marcus. I really do appreciate it. Um, so let, let's do this. Do me a favor, guys. If you have not, uh, go ahead and I want you to rate Church Talk with Isaac. So if you have not already, I want you to click on the stars. If you are an Apple listener and you listen from uh, Apple Podcasts, I want you to click on the stars and just it takes a second. Go ahead and rate Church Talk with Isaac. If you've listened to at least one episode, you probably have a perspective of what to receive, an idea of what to receive from um, this platform. So go ahead and rate it. And also, even if you have to pause um, me right now for a moment, go ahead and write a review just like you heard Marcus do um, just in your own words. Uh, say some things about how this platform, how Church Talk with Isaac has benefited you, how um, what you have gotten from it. You know, you can talk about what you've gotten from it or in ways that you've seen yourself uh, maybe think differently or challenged or whatever the case may be. I strongly appreciate it. The reason why I ask just like I do just about in every episode is because the higher the rating, the more visibility this platform receives. Um, the more reviews, the greater visibility this platform receives. So people who may be looking for platforms and podcasts like this one, if you believe this to be beneficial, um, it actually gives them an opportunity to see it pop up when they are looking for Christian um, New Covenant uh, platforms such as this one. So thank you so much. And let's go ahead. I want to I want to jump into today's topic and hopefully this is one that um, is beneficial for you. Um, there's been some conversations going on lately that I've heard and I just wanted to kind of get my input in it about uh, maybe close to 15, 16 years ago. Um, there was a, a, a doctrine that began to be released uh, called the doctrine or gospel of inclusion. And practically, this teaching is a form of universalism. Now, universalism, uh, if we just give some definition to it, universalism is a belief that everyone, all of mankind, um, will eventually be saved. So it doesn't matter your religion, doesn't matter if you're Buddhist, it doesn't matter if you are Hindu, doesn't matter if you're Muslim or if you're Christian, if you are agnostic. It doesn't matter if you are an atheist. 
everyone will eventually find their way into heaven because when Jesus died, this is a universal thought. When Jesus died, he died once for all. And we can't find that in scripture that he died once for all, but it's a, it's the universalist puts a spin on it. So because he died once for all, his atonement was for everyone's sins, whether or not you repent of your sins, whether or not you receive Jesus, so forth and so on. So everyone will eventually find their way into heaven so when when we talk about inclusion and the gospel of inclusion that was a term that was coined by bishop carlton pearson in the early 2000s i believe it was uh and he began to or it was it was either the early 2000s or the early 2010 era uh or decade and uh he began to ultimately uh steer off into that teaching he was a mainstream pentecostal preacher um, had a had, had a very large following, was very influential. Um, and then he began to um, to to teach these teachings of inclusion and he coined it the gospel of inclusion, which is which is practically um, Christian universalism. So I want to I want to talk about this today because I believe that there are some things that have to be discussed because this is a teaching that is once again beginning to rear his head up. Um, within the church, it never really went anywhere, but it's beginning to gain a sense of visibility and momentum, particularly concerning um, younger uh, generations, uh, people who may not be as learned in the scriptures, to be quite honest, or even in the nature or understanding of of the um, of the finished work and, and the atonement of Jesus Christ. So I want to just take this episode to try to I want to give you some thoughts as far as why I believe the gospel of inclusion makes no sense. And also why I believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel that we preach is it's is not entirely inclusive in this sense. I believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is inclusively exclusive. And I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go through what I what I believe that means that the that the gospel that we preach is an inclusively exclusive gospel. All right? Now, what does it mean to be inclusively exclusive? Um and what do I mean when I say that? Um and to be inclusively exclusive when I say it, it typically means or I am typically I am saying practically that the gospel is inclusively for everyone, meaning it doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. It does not matter your background. It doesn't matter your age. It does not matter your race. Check this out. Um, it does not even matter um, uh, uh, your sin. It does not matter your sexual preference or sexual orientation it does not uh, matter whether or not you are a murderer it doesn't matter whether you're a nice guy or a bad person the gospel is inclusive meaning anyone and everyone can come to the gospel it's not like you can only receive the gospel if you look this way you can only receive the gospel if you sound this way. You can only receive the gospel if you, um, um, you know, if you ascribe to a particular mode of teaching or have a, a, a particular background. No, the gospel is is inclusively for everyone. However, the gospel is exclusively through faith in Jesus Christ and exclusively in faith 
uh, through faith, excuse me, in Jesus Christ as the resurrected son of God, as the Lord of your life and as the only way to the father. So in other words, you cannot um, you the only way to to be saved is through Jesus Christ. The only way to be saved, regardless of of your background, regardless of your de, uh, de, your denomination, no background, regardless of, of 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 your sexuality, regardless of your gender, the only way to be saved is through Jesus. Jesus said, "I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father except by me." Now, this is what that means. That means that although I know that we want to be able to to control the tone or um, uh, 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 control uh, the definition of what it means to be inclusive. But let me say this. You do not determine God's nature or lens of inclusivity. Jesus does. You do not determine what is included and what's not and what that looks like once you actually come to grace and come to Christ, Jesus determines the lengths of of inclusivity. All right. Now, one of the things that I believe uh, about the gospel and why I believe that a, a primarily inclusive gospel, which also says this, you can receive Jesus or you can you can say Jesus is Lord. Um, but it does not require any change on your end. It does not mean that you have to be that that you have to change. You have to be transformed. And ultimately, it doesn't mean that you have to surrender. You just simply know who he is and you believe in who he is. But there are some things that comes to believing in who he is. And I want to say this. One of the reasons why I believe that the gospel of inclusion or universalism simply doesn't make sense is because there's one thing that is consistent about salvation. Doesn't matter your denomination. It doesn't. It doesn't matter your um, your church background, your church history. There is one thing that is consistent about salvation, and that is that any form of salvation or Christian salvation requires faith. If it does not require faith, it is not true salvation. It is another gospel another teaching and there is so much proof through the words of the of of our apostolic fathers who began to lay the foundation of the new covenant um so much proof let's I'm, i just want to take some time and go through a few verses and hopefully this makes sense again salvation requires faith but universalism doesn't inclusion or the gospel of inclusion doesn't Let's see what some of our fathers have said about this. Our apostolic leaders who have laid foundation. Paul said this in Ephesians 2 and 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. So you are saved by grace through faith. Let's look at John chapter 3, St. John 3. We're going to read 16 through 21. It says, For God so loved the world, and we know this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever believes in him 
should not perish, but have everlasting life. And, and this is what it says. It carries on in verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the only way that the world is saved is through him. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. So, so John, which was a, a, a close disciple of Jesus, lays out beautifully that, listen, if you are to come to God, if you are to come to God, the only way to come to him is through Jesus Christ. And if, and if you believe or decide in your own heart or choose not to come to him, it is because you are living in darkness. It says that you love darkness rather than light because your deeds are evil. But if you come to the light, if you come to Christ, it is, it is, it is proof that there is truth found in you and and it says that he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen if you sincerely desire for your life to live in light then you will come to the light because you are not afraid to have your deeds exposed by that light all right acts chapter 16 this is luke now now this is the third author that we're looking at that spoke on this Luke chapter 16 verses 30 through 32 it, it says and he brought them out and said sirs what must I do to be saved now now this is a story I want to give you a backdrop because it just kind of jumped into it but in Acts chapter 16 Paul and Silas are ministering in Philippi which is not a Jewish community it is a Gentile community all right and at this point they are in prison there was a miracle that transpired while they were in the jail cells and and um, and the attendant of the jail, the attendant of the prison. Um, he he concludes with this after he saw the wonder of God. It's he he said to them and he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him. And to all who were in his household, listen, so salvation actually was instituted through belief or faith on Jesus Christ. And not only that, but Paul and Silas began to preach to the keeper of the jail. All right. And, 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 and through hearing and receiving the word, they believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, him and his whole household were saved. All right. Let me give you one more verse. First Timothy chapter two. Verses one through five, it says, therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, all men, all men doesn't say Christian men. It doesn't say some men. It says that thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So God, our Savior, desires all men to be saved 
and to come to the knowledge of truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Now, this is important because it says that God, our Savior, speaking of Jesus Christ, desires all men to be saved, which means this. All men will not automatically be saved. Can I say that? That means that all men will not automatically be saved. God desires for all men to be saved. So one of the means for salvation of all men is given through Paul to Timothy in the exhortation of us praying, interceding and making supplication and giving thanks for all men. Those in authority, those uh, in our uh, communities and all men around the world, male and female, all of mankind. So if if. If all men were automatically saved through the work of Jesus Christ. Now, now I want to remind you, too, that this was written about 30 or so 20 between 20 and 30 years into the Christian age um, towards the end of Paul's life. All right. So this wasn't something that was written when they were trying to just figure out salvation. That's something else we need to understand. I mean, the, the gospel had already gone to the Gentiles. We've already seen the expansion um, um, of, of the gospel expanding beyond the Jewish culture into the Gentiles. Um, but now what we see is that even even through those years, we see Paul still standing and saying that God's desire is for all men to be saved. God desires all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. In other words, you have to come into the knowledge of the truth in order for you to be saved. You have to receive Jesus Christ. And the only way, Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, the only way that that can happen is by understanding, this is the knowledge of the truth, that there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. So inclusion teaches that we have access to grace outside of faith, but we do not see that in the Gospels. I want to give you one more verse. I know I said that the last verse was the last verse, but I want to give you one more verse because I believe that this is imperative because another idea is that um, that I've heard that I do not agree with um, necessarily uh, just depends on how people are preaching it. Is that is that we are all sons of God, that there are no children of the devil and everyone is a son of God. Therefore, everyone will inherit salvation. I do not believe that because sonship. Let me say this is a nature. All right. It's just not a position. It's just not a thought. Sonship is a nature. And let me also say this. I believe that when we are dealing with the, the fall of man and when we deal with Adam, all right, in the garden, that the fall was all about sonship. If you look at chapter, uh, the book of Luke, I believe the third chapter, I believe it gives a genealogy of Jesus, but then it goes down and it says uh, that Adam was the son of God. So Adam was actually considered a son of God. All right. Um, in that, we see that uh, even in his interactions in the garden, his interactions were, were interactions between a father and a son. What 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 the serpent deceived Adam out of was the reality of his nature. 
the reality that he was born already and made in the nature likeness, uh, uh, the nature and the likeness and image of God. He said, look, God don't want you to eat the fruit because if you eat it, he knows you will become like him. But Adam was already like God because he was a son of God made in his image. So the fall, what it was after was Adam's nature. I believe that the, that the issues that we deal with today in regards to light versus darkness, righteousness versus unrighteousness, sin versus, versus, uh, not living in sin, uh, uh, or, or living in the mark, which is Christ. I believe that the issue is, has always been about our nature. What sin does is it creates a veil that although God sees us as children, we isolate and alienate ourselves from him, ultimately embracing orphanhood. We are the ones who embrace orphanhood. God doesn't put orphanhood on us. And by embracing orphanhood, we adopt Satan as our father. Hear me. We adopt him as our father. So what salvation does is salvation brings you into the knowledge of the truth that, look, you are no longer alienated from the life of God, but you have been reconciled back unto God because the veil has been removed and you can see your relationship with him as it was always intended to be, which is as a father and son. This is what Galatians chapter three, um, verse, I believe, let me hold on one second because I'm, I'm giving you this on the fly. I'm giving you this on the fly. Uh, Galatians chapter three, verse 26. This is what it says. It says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. All right. Verse 26 again, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So in other words, sonship is realized through faith, the same way salvation is realized through faith. Faith, the same way that righteousness is realized through faith. And as we realize what we have received, what we have come into through faith, um, we we also submit to the process of transformation. So when I say that it is inclusively exclusive, anyone can become a part of the church if you receive Jesus through faith, but by receiving Christ through faith, your lifestyle will begin to be transformed because you submit to the process of the renewing of the mind. You submit yourself to the grace of God, which teaches you all things, which leads you into all things. You submit yourself to the Holy Spirit, which teaches you and leads you and ultimately um, leads you into a lifestyle of sonship. And by doing that, you begin to live a lifestyle that is exclusive to the nature of Christ. So again, I say that the gospel is inclusively exclusive. All right, listen, I've talked longer than I wanted to. It's only been 20 minutes, but I, I'm, I'm trying to shorten these because I've been I've been going over to 30 minutes and all of that. And I want to I want to just be able to give you all enough to, you know, to listen to while you're cooking breakfast or while you're driving to your commute to work or whatever the case may be. Um, I just want to give you just enough. So listen, I hope this helped you. I hope that this um, cleared up some things, because one of the things that I believe is that we have to be able to defend the gospel. We have to begin to defend the truth and not become 
um, um, victims of false doctrine and false teaching. So I believe one of my assignments, just not to church talk with Isaac, but one of my assignments to the church and to the world is, is to help give you all a, a, um, a sound approach um, to new covenant living and understanding even scriptures uh, because they will be used out of context. They will be used for self gain. They will be used as I've spoken about in previous episodes, um, the grace of God being turned into sensuality or lewdness or something that is made to appeal to the senses. But there is one God, one mediator that we have that connects us to this father. So listen, I love y'all. Thank y'all for tuning in, and I pray you all have a great week. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to Church Talk with Isaac. If you enjoy our content and benefit from this podcast, do me a favor and subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends, family, and colleagues. I'm also on all social media platforms and would love to connect with you. You can also partner with us by visiting IsaacWatsonMinistries.com and clicking Donate. Your partnership helps us to get the message of Jesus through Isaac Watson Ministries to the world. Talk to you soon.